Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. It's Bob Valvano, and you're listening to ESPN 680 and 105.7. You're listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Louis Rabot. Ah, welcome in. It's Cantrell and Co. this week as Louis deserves or it earns his vacation time. Uh, he's taking this entire week off. You're stuck with me for the week, but we've had a solid week so far. We'll get you through it here on ESPN 680 105.7. I'm Zach Cantrell. Tanner Brudemesto behind the ones and twos. He's going to be hey, the co. Yo. There you go. I like that. There you go. He's going to be the co, a part of the co today in Cantrell and Co. The other part of the co, of course, is the text line, as always, 437-9680. Uh, keep those texts coming. We've had a great couple of days on the UPS Jobs text line. Uh, we'll have Mike Gandolfo coming up at 1020, of course, to discuss all things Kentucky LSU tonight and recapping their big win last week against Auburn. Uh, Louisville has a big game coming up tonight against Notre Dame, the uh, stoppable force against the movable object, I guess you could call it. Um, yeah, this is a this is a game that uh, you, you might want to find better things to do on a Wednesday night, uh, t- as in tune into the Kentucky game. Or I, I think th- I think there's other big games coming up tonight. Is that, that right? I, I think there should be. Um, I think Duke plays Miami or something like that. So maybe tune and watch that game. Uh, we'll get into more national conversation as well. UConn taking it on the chin yesterday. One of the rare. Uh, times that i've actually Blown picked out. it correctly you know Blown I, out. I told everybody to get on creighton plus two and a half yesterday because that was uconn playing uh, their third game in the last seven days they just come off it was at it was at creighton too right it was at yeah. creighton yeah. Sounds, yeah and that's a good home court advantage creighton's a top 15 team that's a very good team i'm not going to put too much stock into uconn losing that game but we'll talk about that later and other national basketball conversation and you know, we didn't quite get to this yesterday, and Tanner, I know this is going to be an exercise that you're going to want to do uh, a little bit later, and that is we're going to talk a little bit about the return of the NCAA football video game, and we'll discuss the last 10 years or so of guys that you wish that you could have played with, like Lamar Jackson, I think is probably the first name that everybody will uh, have come to mind. Boy, he would have been so much fun to play with. I got, I got a lot of names that I want to just rattle off. Oh, I've got a lot of names. You know, we're going to do the thing that guys like to do and just sit around and uh, just name random players. It, that, that's called just a dude's night out. I, usually. Lo- I love that meme where it's like, my boyfriend's probably out there cheating. What he's really doing is just like, yo, we're just Jalen Ramsey, yes. FSU. Yo, Ooh, that's dog. so true. <laughs> like, dog. <laughs> no, we're just naming wide receivers. That's what we're doing. We're just naming like. Nate Washington or Santonio Holmes or uh, Chad Ochocinco. We're naming Chad Ochocinco is probably too famous to be a random wide receiver. Uh, Texer said tried to send this to Diener and they didn't want it, so I'll try again. Got a good bet for you guys. Georgia at Vandy's a pick 'em right now on DraftKings. Bump that up to Georgia three and a half to get like plus one forty five. Georgia should smoke Vandy. They should. 
Vanderbilt's the worst team in the SEC. We got God on them uh, firing Jerry Stackhouse. That's going to happen at the end of the season. Georgia's been... Maybe tonight. Who knows? Maybe it happens tonight. You know, Ennis talked about yesterday, maybe Kenny Payne gets fired after this game. That's something that we can get into in just a little bit. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start, though, and we'll have Bologna or Salami coming up at 11 o'clock. Uh, we do that every Wednesday. I'll get with Tanner on that uh, during the break. But we're going to start with uh, Kentucky and LSU. Big game tonight. And uh, Tanner, I want to get your thoughts on this in just a little bit. Again, four three seven nine six eighty. the UPS Jobs text line. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this game as well. I find this game intriguing for a couple reasons. Number one, Kentucky's got some positive momentum going their way. They just beat Ole Miss last week. They stopped the bleeding of having lost three in a row at Rupp Arena. They beat Ole Miss comfortably last week, 75-63. They beat Louisville Nation's favorite uh, basketball coach and Chris Beard, the guy that everybody had seemingly wanted leading into that game, and it's kind of cooled off a little bit because Ole Miss has kind of taken it on the chin over the last couple of games or so. So Kentucky beats them, and I didn't want to put too much into it because they beat Vanderbilt on a Tuesday night the week before, beat them 190 or something like that. It was a high-scoring 109 game. 109-77. 109-77. Yeah. yeah, they dominated Vanderbilt. Domination. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to put too much into that just because, as we mentioned, Vanderbilt's the worst team in the SEC, and then they turn right around and lose to Gonzaga. So the Vanderbilt game kind of looked like a bit of an aberration and to a degree it still is but they bounced back last week they beat Ole Miss that was a good first start but we need to see them do it on the road we need to see them do it against a good opponent and they beat Auburn decisively 70 to 59 it was not that close either they led by 16 at one point. They never trailed at any point in the game. The only time it was even tied, I believe, was when it was 0-0 at the beginning of the game. It was total dominance from Kentucky. And on a day where, offensively, they weren't dominant. This is a team that averages over 90 a game. And we're used to seeing them win games 95-90. to 90, And we thought if they were going to beat Auburn, they probably were going to have to do something similar. Because Auburn was as efficient as any team in the SEC on the offensive end of the floor. And they just come off beating South Carolina by 40 points the game before. Now, maybe South Carolina wasn't quite as good as their ranking indicated because they were number 11 going into that game. And we kind of saw it against LSU on Saturday. But that was a much-needed test for this Kentucky team and the resolve they showed to go on the road and win that game and do it as decisively as they did gives them a chance to go on a run. And they've got a big game coming up on Saturday with Alabama. Alabama might be the most efficient offense in the country. They shoot nothing but threes, free throws, and laps. Nate Oates is now the guy that every Louisville fan wants to be their head coach. Deservedly so, by the way. Every major coach opening, Ohio State's already been linked to Nate Oates. Louisville's been linked to Nate Oates. Because Nate Oates is one of the best basketball coaches in the country. We saw what he did at Buffalo. Won a couple tournament games there. I remember they beat Arizona like a drum when they were a 13 seed and Arizona was a 4 seed. That was a, the DeAndre Ayton team that people thought had a chance to make a run in that tournament, and Buffalo just crushed them. They beat Bobby Hurley in Arizona State the next year in the tournament, and that's what ultimately led to him getting the Alabama job, and you've seen what he's done down there. A couple of sweet 16s. Last year, they were the number one overall seed, and this year, they got a chance to win the SEC regular season title. But before we get to that game, you got to focus on tonight, and this is the perfect trap game for Kentucky. LSU's 13-12. They're 3-7 in their last 10 games. 
But this is a team that can score. They've scored over 80 points 11 different times this year. And they just are coming off a win against South Carolina at South Carolina on Saturday. Beat them 66-65, hit a couple late free throws to win that game. LSU's a tricky team. And especially going down to Baton Rouge, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, or badminton. Yeah, I was going to say they're 9-4 and four at home. They're 9-4 at home, that's right. <laughs> Imagine an LSU badminton game. Yeah. Why is it so loud? <laughs> right. Mike, the Tiger's just getting unleashed at the badminton game because nobody's there and they can finally release the Tiger. Oh, God, badminton's going on in here? I thought this was the uh, Tiger cage, my bad, That's guys. right. <laughs> <laughs> He's going digging deep into that shuttlecock, huh? There you go. Save that for the big step. Woo! Um... But this is a tricky spot for Kentucky, and I want to see how they handle prosperity. Because they went on the road Saturday against Auburn in a game that nobody really thought they were going to win. Statistically, they, that was the biggest underdog they've been all season, and probably the biggest underdog they'll be the rest of the season. And sometimes, when you have a team that is as young as Kentucky is, a team as talented as they are, sometimes you need that extra chip on your shoulder. Sometimes you need people to you know, kind of dismiss you and you need to have that mentality to go prove people wrong because I think all year they've tried to prove people right because there's the expectation level with this team that they can go to a Final Four. They can win a national championship. But there's also the negativity that they could lose in the first round and neither outcome would surprise anybody. So they got to play the underdog role last week against Auburn. They're not playing the underdog role tonight. The line opened at four and a half. It's now up to six and a half. Because everybody's on Kentucky to win this game and win it kind of decisively. And this is a game that I always coin as a no-headlines game. I want to see Kentucky go on the road, handle their business, and then we don't really talk about the LSU game too much. I mean, obviously, we'll recap it tomorrow, but we don't want to spend too much time talking about it, and we don't want to have to psychoanalyze this game and say what's wrong with Kentucky. Because this is a game that they should handle. They should handle this game and get ready to play Alabama Saturday. And that's a game where we're going to find out a lot about this team. Whether they can be a top four seed in the SEC tournament. Whether they can make a run to perhaps be a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. Because now they're up to a number five seed after they were a seven last week. And I want to see if defense travels. Can they travel to Baton Rouge? Because LSU can score. But then again, Auburn could score. And they held them to 59 points. Now let's be fair. They've given up 122 points combined the last two games. Ole Miss and Auburn both missed a lot of open shots, and that helps out. LSU's a good three-point shooting team, but they're not a great three-point shooting team. And when you have Antonio Reeves, you have Rob Dillingham, and you have Reed Shepard. By the way, Reed Shepard only scored four points against Auburn. He made a lot of great plays as far as passing, rebounding, defensively, and that shows the mark of a great player is when you're able to make an impact without scoring much. And Rob Dillingham only had 11 points. He's a guy that can score 15, minutes, 15 points in four minutes. Excuse me. Antonio Reeves had 22 points on Saturday. He's the guy that, straw, that uh, stirs the drink for this team. Trey Mitchell doesn't sound like he's going to play tonight either. He's been banged up. DJ Wagner is now starting to get a little bit healthy. One of the, Probably the best defensive player on this team. Can a young team handle business in a game that they should handle business? Because the last time we saw them in this moment was against Gonzaga. Gonzaga is one of the last four teams in the tournament. And Joe Lenardi, the, the terminology that they use, first four in, 
The first four in should be the top four seeds, right? The first four teams in the tournament should be the four best teams in the country. The last four teams in should be teams 65 through 68. So the whole terminology always throws me off. But Gonzaga is one of the last four teams in the tournament basically because they beat Kentucky. Now, this team is not as good, or LSU is not as good as Gonzaga. But it's a much different environment trying to play in Baton Rouge as opposed to being at home in Rupp Arena. But they failed this challenge the last time they met a similar challenge. Can they handle it this time? Because this is the sandwich game between Auburn and Alabama. Now, I said before the Auburn game, I wanted to see them go 2-1 and one in this three-game stretch. Auburn, LSU, Alabama. And if they could go 2-1, and one, that moves them up a seed line. It answers a lot of conversations and a lot of questions that people have about this team. Well, they're already 1-0. So now 2-1, and one, I don't want to say it's a disappointment, but you've got a realistic chance to go 3-0 and out because you get Alabama at Rupp. And I understand Rupp has not been a great home court advantage as of late, but that's a game you got to have against a team that might win the SEC regular season or a team that has a chance to win the SEC regular season. If you're going to stay in that conversation, that's a game you got to win. But tonight needs to be a no-headlines game for Kentucky, a game that they handle their business, And then tomorrow we recap it, say Kentucky got the job done, but we don't really have to analyze it much more than that. Uh, Texter said, it's been kind of ignored, but Kentucky's been really solid on the road. Uh, Yeah, I mean, they they beat Florida at Florida, and that's a win that looks a whole lot better than it did at the time, because Florida's in the top 25. Now, Florida got them back at Rupp earlier in the month, but that's a pretty good win. That's a win that holds up a lot better than we thought it would. Going on the road and beating Auburn. Is a very good road win. We'll see what they do later in the year when they go on the road against Tennessee. But this Texer's not wrong. They've only really had one road clunker this year, and that was South Carolina. They didn't show up at all in that game. Other than that, they've been pretty dependable, pretty solid on the road. Not great, but solid. And there's something to be said about that when you've got a team that's basically full of freshmen. Let's see here. Uh, Texter said, good news is that Louisville fans want Oates. That leaves BBN's favorite coach to replace Cal, Chris Beard, available. I don't think Cal's leaving unless this thing just goes south. And again, we've had plenty of conversations about that. We can have that toward the end of the season. Uh, 4379680. Keep on texting in, people. Uh, Rabo and Co., Cantrell and Co. this week. Uh, ESPN 680-1057. Tanner Brudemesto behind the glass. Tanner, what are your thoughts on the game tonight? Kentucky trying to just kind of handle their business against LSU in a game that they should be able to go out and win. I don't want to say decisively, but it's a game that we shouldn't have a whole lot to talk about tomorrow. I think that Auburn game, uh, was it Saturday or last week, anywho, that was definitely a good confidence builder for them, and I think they go into Baton Rouge. Yeah, it's going to be loud. It's going to be it's going to be Baton Rouge, like no doubt in my mind, but I think they handle business. I think the team's on the right track, I guess you could say, that they could rebuild. You know, they got maybe they are looking at the next game of like against Bama, like, all right, we got to do this, blah, 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 and they might slip away with a loss, but I don't think anything can stop them right now against especially LSU. They're three and seven in their last 10. It's not the best team that they're going to be playing against by any means but uh i think they handle business uh they get to go back home play oats and company at rup 
this week, and I think they'll be fine. They'll they'll be completely fine. I think Reed Shepard's going to bounce back. What did you say? He had four points last game? Yeah, he had four points, but yeah. he had five assists, and he had a couple steals. He, it, he did a lot of other in, things. Incoming 20, 20 points, 25 points from Reed. Antonio Reeves will also be doing completely fine. He's been probably their best player. I mean, I don't watch enough Kentucky basketball, but every time I'm watching them, Antonio Reeves is their best player on the floor. Wait, as a Louisville fan, you don't hate watch every Kentucky game? <laughs> no, I hate bet on Kentucky. There you go. Because, fun fact for the people, what do they have, seven losses this year? Yeah. I bet on six of them. For them to win? Yeah. Oh, and man. six out of their seven losses, or, yeah, six out of their seven losses, I bet on Kentucky, and then was like, What's going on, guys? Like, I thought you guys were good. And it's well, just, they knew the Louisville fans were betting on yeah, them, so they just they're like, yeah, we got to make this kid lose money. But, there you um, go. So here's a, a good stat with Reed Shepard, by the way. We talked about all the things that he does well. Division One men's basketball player since 2011 to have 300 points, 100 assists, 100 rebounds, 60 seals, and 20 blocks through the first 25 games of their freshman season. There's only two guys that have done this. Reed Shepard, Marcus Smart. Oh, wow. Pretty good company. I was going to say, like, he kind of reminds me of a Marcus Smart or, like, a more <laughs> offensive, talented. Yeah, he's a much Pat better Bev. shooter. No question. He's a yeah, better shooter than Marcus shoot, Smart. Better shooter than Marcus Smart. Like, he's, a long, he's in that company, and pe- some UK fans will probably take this disrespectfully, but he's in that company of, like, that gritty basketball player like Marcus Smart. Deceptively Patrick fast. Beverly. Yeah. Yes. Um, Jose Alvarado, like kind of like a Rajon Rondo esque tier player. I like, think he's on a higher level than all those guys, yeah, except for Rajon Rondo. Yeah, like yeah. Don't get me wrong; I'm not like give, bashing him. I just think their play right. styles are very similar because of like he can dish out the ball, hit a corner three, hit a hit a top of the key three, can bring it back inside to the big man, and then. He can run back on defense, yeah. get that ball back, and then start a fast break for UK. Like He's not a great individual defender, but he's a very good team defender. Yes. So there's yes. something to be said about that. So here's the last six games for Kentucky. LSU, Alabama, on the road next Tuesday against Mississippi State. Uh, next Saturday, they're at home against Arkansas. Arkansas won on the road last night against A&M, but they're 13-13. and That should be a win. You come back the following Wednesday, Vanderbilt at home. That's a win. And then... You're going on the road against Tennessee. Tennessee is not going to be easy, obviously, because that's a top five team on the road. I don't see any reason in this stretch that they can't go five and one. Worst case, they should go four and two. Arkansas and Vanderbilt, we should not even have to think about those. Those should be wins. On the road at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's not been an easy place to play. They've beaten some ranked opponents this year, but that's a game that they should win. They should win tonight against LSU. And then can you split the Alabama and Tennessee games? I think those are going to be crucial and we talked about it all year when they the the conference the way that it is this year they still had more opportunities for quad one wins than any team in the country last week they got two of them i think tonight would be another one on the road what would the reaction be if they ended up going three and three in the stretch Ooh, though? i would not want to be a john calipari if they go three and three <laughs> in the stretch especially if they lose one of those games against uh, arkansas and against vanderbilt which they shouldn't but even if they win those two games and then they beat Mississippi State or the LSU, you're saying if they're 3-3, three and three, they're losing one of those two games. People are not going to be happy because that would be 10 regular season losses yeah. for a team that has the ceiling to play for and win a national championship. 
That actually reminded me because you just said that would be a 10-loss team um, or 10 regular season losses. Do you think we'll ever see a time where, like, a top-five team in the country is, like, an 8-10 to 10 loss team? I doubt that. Like Only it, if they play, like, the most murderous schedule yeah. in the history of basketball. I mean, UConn, when they won the title in 2011 with uh, Kimball Walker. Well, they they, they were they lost nine games and they were a three seed. Yeah, and but they, that's because they, they won the Big East. Yeah, tournament. they won the Big East. Uh, Texter Cardiac Kemba. Sorry. Yeah, he, he did that against uh, Pitt. Yep, Big East tournament. Uh, Texter. Yeah, I bring up the road thing because they've not been great at home, but they embrace the underdog mentality, which you get on the road. That's that's a good point. This team at times they have seemed to play tighter at home versus on the road, and I said this last week, and people didn't necessarily believe me after they uh, lost three in a row at ho- home. Before the Ole Miss game, I thought maybe going on the road would be a good thing for them, and that proved to be the case. Going on the road against Auburn was the best that they've looked in a long time. Uh, Texas Reed isn't the defender that Rondo was, but he's a better scorer. Yeah, no doubt about it. Rondo yeah, couldn't like... hit a jump shot. Rondo was great going to the basket, but he really was not a good shooter from anywhere outside of 10 feet. So, <laughs> yeah, Reed is a much better scorer, and I think they get to play the underdog role. And for a team... The, the worst combination you want is a team that's uber-talented that gets to play the underdog card. We saw this on Saturday against Auburn. They don't get to play it tonight. Maybe they get to play it later on the road against Tennessee the last week of the year. But let's see them handle their business tonight. And uh, we're going to get more into the conversation about Kentucky. We'll have Mike Gandolfo coming on. He's taking care of the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife post-game show tonight with Jason Entz. We'll have that for you around 11 o'clock here on ESPN 680-1057. Should be a lively show. We'll get Gandolfo here on uh, Rabo and Co. Coming up next here ESPN 680-1057. You are listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rabo. Ah, Cantrell and Co. this week, ESPN 680-1057. Hope Louis enjoying his vacation. I saw a nice picture of him uh, with a big cigar last night. I know he's a cigar lover, so he gets the opportunity to go down there and have a couple this week. Um, big thanks to Matzapai for dropping off some epic pizzas and focaccia bread for lunch today. Head out of Matzapai's Anchorage location for a unique dining experience. You can also visit the the Douglas Loop and Butchertown location. Stop in, pick up some 1020 craft brews, and discover the delicious handmade brick oven pizza. It is very good pizza. The bread is also very good. Oh, it's a popular it's... thing around here. Uh, as a reminder, uh, tonight we've got you all covered for basketball. Louisville basketball versus Notre Dame tonight. Pre-game coverage starts at 5.30 with our Alex White network coverage at 5.30. And then after the broadcast, tune into the Coors Light post-game show with Ethan Moore. I uh, was on with Ethan last night for Louisville Sports Live, and Ethan just wants a victory to talk about tomorrow in a game that he called that they will beat Notre Dame tonight so we'll see if that comes to fruition and over here on espn 680 as i mentioned earlier we'll have the kentucky fish and wildlife post game show around 11 o'clock with mike gandolfo and jason and kentucky fish and wildlife reminds you to enter the 2024 elk draw today on their website and speaking of mike gandolfo he's joining us right now here on cantrell and co so uh mike we can look back a little bit we can look forward uh i haven't really gotten to talk to you much about the auburn game but probably their most impressive performance of the season never trailing at any point uh holding auburn to 59 points in total so what was your big takeaway from last week two solid defensive performances against Ole miss and auburn what's your big takeaway yeah, I mean, again, I don't know how solid it was against Ole Miss. I think they showed promise and moved going in the right direction, but they definitely 
took a high-powered Auburn offense who's played very well at home. You know, Auburn hadn't had any team get within 11 of them at home and really get that impressive quad one victory that they haven't had probably since, what, Carolina? I don't, I mean, I, I don't know when its last one was. I believe but so, the, yeah. Uh, and uh, so this was a huge, just I think for their, just for their confidence, you know, going forward, uh, we got to see them come out, take the lead, not fall behind. They did exactly, I think, the things they needed to do. They mixed in some new defenses. They, the positioning on defense was way, way better, uh, and that led to some easy steals, especially for Reed Shepard. They doubled the post. I mean, they looked like they were actually trying to take something away from somebody, which is, I don't know, the last time I could actually say that Kentucky – was schematically trying to take away a, a, a part of someone's game the way that they were trying to take the inside presence away from Brim and Auburn. And I just, uh, they, you know, they they got they beat Auburn on second chance points, and that's one of the things that you had to do because Auburn just was dominating down there against the other opponents. So it, it was impressive. I mean, they took care of business the way they had to take care of business, and we know that Auburn was up for that game. It's not like – you know, Auburn's not sleeping on Kentucky. Tickets were going for a thousand dollars to actually have a seat. Three hundred dollars yeah. if you want to get in there for standing room only. So uh, that place was electric, um, and uh, you know, and obviously they're well coached too. So uh, it's it's a big it's a big February win when they just looked like uh, that they were sliding into the abyss. So. Yeah, I thought they had an opportunity to go on the road. And I, I said it might have been actually the best thing to happen to this team when you lose three in a row at home with a lot of the negativity, with the booing that was going on after the Gonzaga game. For them to go on the road and be able to play with that underdog mentality, with the chip on their shoulder, one of the most dangerous combinations is a very talented team that goes on the road and feels like they've got something to prove to people. And I think they really had that chip on their shoulder. You know, Auburn had college game day. They just beat South Carolina by 40. All the stars were lining up for Auburn to make a statement and win this game. And Kentucky just swatted them away. They led by 16 at one point. And I think the thing that impressed me the most was in the second half. I think the closest Auburn got was six. Like, there never really was a point yeah, I think that... they got to five. They got to five. I think they did get to five in the, like with, like, 12 minutes left to go. And if I remember correctly... It, it, it had like the air of like kind of like that Kansas loss where Kentucky yeah. was controlling the whole first half, and then like in that early part of the second half, Kansas goes on a run, and that happened where Auburn started to go on a little bit of a run, and then Cal took a really good timeout. Yes, and then Antonio Reeves came in and just went off. Yes, he did, and and that is to me was that's exactly what you first off Cal gets criticized for taking you know not taking timeouts when he should take timeouts. Uh, he took a good timeout there. He got his team. Uh, there was a couple times actually out of timeouts that they scored off an inbounds play. Like they were, they were much better out of timeouts against Auburn than they've been all year long. And uh, that is that's huge. I mean, that when you start talking about like, hey, um, is there coaching going on or not? Because I know that people are like, does he just roll the balls out or whatever? Like, you start looking at that. You start looking at how efficient they are out of timeouts. Are they shifting momentum? Come out of timeouts? Are they making adjustments and and when Antonio Reeves, I, I believe he scored nine out of eleven points out of that timeout. Yep. He had every field. The only thing that he uh, didn't have were two Adusiero free throws. So he had every field goal coming out of that timeout, and really kind of reestablished the game for Kentucky. And I think stuck away any last little bit of 
hope that Auburn even had. Yeah, they just kind of put the game away. They never really let Auburn feel like they were going to actually have a chance to win that game. Antonio Reeves is the the straw that stirs the drink for this team. I don't think there's any doubt about it. 22 points. Uh, You know what you're getting out of Antonio Reeves, and I feel like for whatever reason, he's playing for the blue bloodiest of blue bloods, and yet he's underrated nationally. I mean, he's putting up near 50, 40, 90 throughout the course of the season, averaging about 19 a game, and yet it doesn't seem like he's getting the credit he deserves. And I don't know where this team would be without Antonio Reeves right now because the freshmen have had their moments, but they haven't been all that dominant this year, really with the exception of Reed Shepard, who's really been great from start to finish. Uh, Antonio Reeves has just been, I think, maybe the most impressive player on this team, and he, he's the MVP of this team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think it's got to make Calipari think about in the future, yes, he's got a bunch of freshmen, but he needs a veteran presence like Antonio Reeves. Reeves, who, by the way, was had one foot out the door. People don't remember this. He had one foot out the door during the offseason. But his game, his transformation has been fun to watch. And I, I saw the mock draft. I don't know how this guy doesn't get picked at all. Like, they didn't even have him in two rounds of, what, 60 picks? Somebody's yeah, got to take size, a chance on Reeves. His size yeah. hurts him. You know, his size, I think, hurts him. His defensive ability hurts him. His He's limited. He's You know, it's, it's um, you know, I, I, if I want to compare him to Russ Smith, you know, he's a one-trick pony. So, like, if you're going to take a dude in the second round, you don't necessarily want a guy who can just score. Like, you need a guy who can do some of the intangibles who's going to make the team because most of the time a second-round pick is not going to be someone that you're bringing up to the, to the uh, you know, to the NBA to be a scorer, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and I just think that he's probably limited right there. And this is, this is a, good, a great example of just, like, how – you know what the NBA is looking for and what college basketball is looking for. Lots of times it's pretty different, you know, and and they're they are very drastically different games. And uh, so I'm not surprised there. And the, you know, as far as them going on the radar, I mean, you, I would agree with you. I mean, you know that we started talking about um, is he a hall, is he a, an All American back in December? Yeah. And uh, mainly for me, this, this dude has showed so much improvement. On the, he's much better on the defensive end. Um, he was atrocious last year, and he is much more efficient on the offensive end. And he's learned how to trust these young guys, how to play through them, um, and and not just be a ball hog and put take volume shots. And um, he's his shot selection's gotten way better. Um, you know, to me, Antonio Reeves is like the the prototypical American player that goes over to Europe and has a good ten year European career and just uh, probably makes a very good living over there. So. Um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, so. nothing at all. Mike Gandolfo joining us, host of the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife post game show. That'll be around 11 o'clock tonight after the game against LSU. Join him and Jason Entz for that. Uh, should be a lot to talk about there. But one more thing I want to bring up about the Auburn game is the play of a arrow. He has been phenomenal Hell these yeah. last couple of games. 14 points, eight rebounds, had the spectacular alley oop dunk. You know, we've been kind of waiting for that guy to step up outside of the three that are pretty consistent for this team Reeves, uh, Shepard, and uh, Dillingham. Aduthiero has really been the guy that stepped up these last couple of games. What's impressed you the most about him? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the thing you expect out of him. Is it's really just how he impacts the energy of this team. And when he's out on the floor, there's a little more bounce, not just from him, but from everybody. You know, it's, it's his bounce is contagious. And um, and I, I agree with you from that standpoint. Like, it, he's out there, and you're playing with a little bit more energy, a little more enthusiasm. Maybe like that bounce, I think, really helps on the defensive end, and uh, and he's been huge for that. I mean, he's he's a guy who's not afraid to be physical, which this team is drastically needed. I mean, it's it's been a 
to him one of those things when he wasn't there, like they were Charmin soft. And, um, and so he brings that to this team and it's really, it's really, really important. And he, he'll definitely be a key down the road. He needs to continue to play that way for Kentucky to make any kind of run, uh, whatsoever. Are you concerned about tonight? Because this seems like a perfect trap game. In the way that UConn and Creighton was, I don't know if that was a trap game yesterday because Creighton's a top 15 team, but that was after UConn had just dominated Marquette and they looked like the best team in the country and they go to Creighton to go to Omaha and just get smacked in that game. Is that the spot that you're worried about here? Because you've got Auburn coming off that game. You've got Alabama on Saturday. You've got Tennessee coming up. This is a game that I feel like has to be a no-headlines game that they just go out and take care of business. And LSU is just coming off a win against South Carolina on Saturday. Are you concerned about them going on the road in Baton Rouge and potentially having what you would call a trap game? Well, I think the Creighton analogy is good from the standpoint that UConn has struggled going to Creighton um, for a lot of years. And Kentucky has got a history of sometimes struggling going down to LSU. And uh, and so, yeah, I do think it's uh, – I mean, I've said it I think the last – two weeks that this LSU game could be dangerous, that's a trap game, and you look at the record and you're like, you know, they've beaten South Carolina by one point, and they beat Arkansas, and then they've lost like you know, I think they're like 2-7 and seven out of their last 9 or something three like that. 3-7 I mean, and seven over their last it, 10. Yeah. They're, the schedule has not been kind to them either. I mean, when you look at how many of those games are on the road and who they were playing, it's like, I mean, they've had a, a tough go of it, so I'm hoping LSU's a little beat up, <laughs> and we can go in there and have that no thrills win, and uh, and the, the postgame show is kind of short tonight. Um, I, I'm, don't get me wrong. I love it when the postgame shows are long. Uh, but, you know, when Kentucky does that, you know, goes out and takes care of business, we don't have as many callers, right? So, right. Um, so, especially with it being a late game, people will just kind of turn around and just go to bed. So, mm-hmm. the uh, – that the the reality of it is is that I think LSU's dangerous. I mean, they they got Jordan Wright on there, and Jordan Wright has been a Kentucky killer. Yes, he has. And he he beat him in rough last year with that last second shot and that twenty. I think he had twenty three on senior night. Just like when I say Vanderbilt came to Kentucky and lost and beat them on senior night, like that doesn't. Even, when I was a kid, you didn't you never lost on senior nights, but senior night meant a lot more uh, than it does now. Yeah, and um, and then. Turned around just the next week and bounced Kentucky out of the uh, SEC tournament. Um, Jordan Wright has been a Kentucky killer. He's—I don't know what his over/under number is for points tonight, but I would take the over. Um, and he's—he's he's had games where he scored 27 against Kentucky. He's—you know, this is this is a guy that when he was at Vanderbilt was used to being the only guy on the floor. I mean, to me, that he's the key. They've got to stop Jordan Wright. And if they can contain Jordan Wright, not, I don't think the other guys on the floor can, are capable of beating him. Yeah, he leads LSU in points, rebounds, and assists, so basically he is their entire team. Jalen Cook's another guy worth paying attention to uh, as well. I think you know he's actually the leading scorer on this team, believe it or not. He's averaging 15.6 points per game. So we've talked about guard play has been an issue defensively for Kentucky these last couple games it just seems like every time that they've played uh, against a quality guard they've had somebody go off on them so I think the key for them is going to be limiting penetration from Wright and from Cook make them have to shoot from beyond the arc Um, but they've got three guys averaging over 12 points per game this is a a very good offensive team a couple weeks ago I think they played Alabama and scored 90 the problem was they gave up 100 so that might be the formula for Kentucky sounds familiar by the way that that does sound familiar that's right yeah Alabama does that against just about everybody so LSU can score Kentucky gives up uh scores 85 and 
Yeah. Someone has 96. So. Yeah, yeah, they did that against Tennessee. They gave up 103 yeah. points a couple weeks ago. The last two games combined, they've given up 122. So a uh, much better effort on the defensive end of the floor. By the way, on this day in 1970, you might find this interesting. Pete Maravich came to Rupp Arena and scored 54 points in a 121-105 loss to Kentucky. Dan Issel scored 51 points in that game. And, of course, there were no threes back in 1970. Well, if you, if you, if you ask Dan about playing against Pistol Pete um, – the they Ruff's take was, and if you go back and you look at what Pistol Pete did against Kentucky, he had really good games. Ruff's take was that let Pistol Pete go, just go off, and then just don't let anyone else do anything. And if that you know that one guy on his own probably is not going to be enough to beat you. And so he he never really he really focused on shutting down the other four guys on the floor and letting Pistol Pete do what his you know what he needed to do. And then no one's going to stop Dan Issel. I mean, he's the horse. He's oh no, awesome. nobody stops Dan Issel. You can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him, as Dan Patrick would famously say uh, over the years. Um, so when you look at the SEC just in general, I mean, Alabama's ten and two, Tennessee's ten and three, Auburn and South Carolina tied at nine and four, Kentucky's eight and four. So. The SEC regular season title is not out of the possibility for this team, especially because they've got Alabama and Tennessee coming up. But I think a good stretch for them would be to go 5-1 and one over these last six games because you've got on the road at LSU, at Mississippi State, home against Alabama. Then you got two games against Arkansas and Vanderbilt, which we really shouldn't even spend much time on because they should win those games comfortably. And then on the road at Tennessee. If this team goes 5-1 and one down the stretch, you think it's possible they move up to a four seed or even give themselves a chance to win the SEC regular season title? Uh, I don't know if five losses is going to win the SEC regular season title. I mean, I think at the bottom line, like to, it, you just want to be in one of those top four seats. And if you can get one of those top four seats of the SEC tournament, is what I'm talking about. That's fantastic. I think being a top four seat of a uh, 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 four seat in the NCAA tournament is a big stretch. And uh, the computers do not like them. They they have to go. Uh, they really have to play well against Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, to do that, you know, so yeah, I mean, it's two and four is in, is in play. I'm not going to say it's not. I think going to Mississippi State and against that team is really, that's a difficult place to play as well. So, uh, but it's a game that Kentucky should win. Uh, you know, Alabama and Tennessee are the two that you're going to be looking at. Do they take a step forward and are able to handle those really good quality teams? Uh, but in some cases, even with Cal teams, like I don't, I worry more about those fringe bubble teams than I do against those top tier, tier teams because that tends to be the bugaboo is that they let down their guard against a team that they shouldn't let their guard down against and they, they drop a game. Um, so um, who else am I missing? So we got – who else did you say? Mississippi State. At Mississippi State. Arkansas. Arkansas, Arkansas and Vandy, Vanderbilt are at home. Alabama. Yep. Yeah, who's the, other, who's the sixth one? Uh, the last game's at Tennessee. No, yeah, Tennessee, Alabama, yep. Mississippi State, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. LSU. And then tonight. Okay, right. then tonight, LSU, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about the LSU and Mississippi State game. I think they, you know, they might not win com- as comfortably, but it's going to be really hard for them to play bad enough to lose the, to Vanderbilt into Arkansas. Um, those would be black eyes losses that they dropped one of those. And uh, and I'm hoping that, and I think this is where you're coming from, that they can get either Alabama or Tennessee. Yes. Um, You'd like to think you so, can split those two games, especially Alabama being at home. Yeah, and if they go six, if they go six and zero, which you know, I mean, again, they're capable of doing. They are capable of going six and zero. Then, 
we'll, let's see where the four loss. You know, you're gonna have to get help from someone else to to knock off uh, to knock off Alabama another time. But then they'll have the tiebreaker. So right. You know, let's just see where it goes from there. That's they they, they might have to go six and zero though to win the SC regular season. Uh, a couple more before we get you out of here. Mike Gandolfo, host of the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife post game show. They'll have that around eleven o'clock tonight. So here's a couple of stats for you on Reed Shepard. Just two players in the SEC the last thirty years have had at least a hundred assists, sixty steals, fifty made threes, and twenty blocks in a season. Reed Shepard and JD Note for an entire season. And Reed Shepard has been there in 25 games. And I talked about earlier, uh, he's comparable to Marcus Smart. I think he's one of two guys to have 600 points, 100, 300 assists, 100 rebounds, uh, 25 steals or something like that. Basically, the bottom line is Reed Shepard is the best all-around player on this team. He's the guy that plays the most minutes on this team. Uh, do you see any way that changes? Do you think they slow down his minutes a little bit? Or do you think they pump up the numbers for a guy like Reeves or Dillingham or something down the stretch? Because you don't really want to wear out Reed Shepard before tournament time. No, and I don't know if you're in danger of that. I mean, he hasn't shown signs of wearing him out. I think he's he's going to be a thirty the thirty five minute guy, um, probably closer to thirty five minutes, honestly. Um, and you know, you're gonna, you're. I think you're actually kind of getting the guy that I'm worried about them wearing out more than anybody else, and who like had to be on the floor against Auburn was Ugana. Yeah, and. Um, and you know what? This when he went out for a little stretch in the first half, Auburn just pounded the ball down low and scored twice in a row, real easily. And um, you know, whereas Reed has at least has some help at the guard spot, you know, you can probably withstand that. Onyenzo just doesn't have anybody who can help him down low right now. So uh, I think there's going. It's always going to depend on the matchup. On like, hey, is Reed got to be out there? Does Onyenzo have to be out there? Does Diero have to be out there? Does Reeves have to be out there? Um, is Dillingham playing unconscious and has to be out there? Uh, you know, uh, there's going to. That's the thing that makes this team dangerous. Is you don't know which one of those guys is going to step up and be the guy that night. Yeah, I can't believe it's not going to be Edwards and it's not going to be Bradshaw. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we're past that point (laughs) with both of those guys. I can't believe we haven't brought up Onyenso. Seven points, 11 rebounds. He's really been kind of the eraser back there for Kentucky when they have uh, guards that can blow by Shepard, blow by Dillingham, Reeves, whoever. Onyenso seems to be the guy that's kind of been the eraser, and we've been waiting for the for somebody on this team to be that this year and he's as valuable as any of those guys and so I I think he's going to be a big factor down the stretch last question for you so you were on vacation last week of course did the uh, post game show on ESPN Louisville plus Uh, are you back in Louisville now I am back in Louisville uh, until uh, I I will be doing the Tennessee broadcast from California but I'll be doing the broadcast let's put that way all right so where, where did you end up going on vacation how'd that go I didn't go on vacation. I like so I had a, a conference that I had, had to attend in California and then I uh, and then I was flying back for the Gonzaga game. And then I was in Boston. I was I do some, I do speak across the country. Uh, and so I was in Boston for a speaking engagement and almost got snowed in there and then when I came home uh we got in the car and uh Saint X had uh, their winter break last week and so we went and looked at colleges. So we were out looking at colleges. Uh, I was in a hotel room in Maryland uh, when we did the thing um, on Saturday for after the Auburn game. So that's what we were doing. So no cigars on the beach, a la Louis Rebeau. No, and listen, Louis likes the cigars that are free. That's the one. That that's he likes. right. So yeah, don't we all? Don't we all like free yeah. stuff? Uh, Mike Gandolfo, check him out tonight. The Kentucky Fish and Wildlife post game show. He and Jason Entz will take you home after the LSU game tonight. Mike, always appreciate the time joining us on a Wednesday, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, bud. Talk to you later.
All right, Mike Gandolfo, everybody. Thanks for uh, joining us, as always. Uh, Louisville Talk. They got Notre Dame coming up in a big game tonight. We'll talk about the cards next. Listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rabo. Oh, that's one of those songs I could never hear again at karaoke, and I would have already heard it too much. But uh, appreciate the rejoin. I'm more of a gangster rap or you know old school classic rock kind of guy. But same. I, I, I asked my family though, I was because they're listening up in Connecticut. I was okay. like, "What do you guys want to hear?" There and they're like, "Sweet right. Carolina." I was like, "All, All right, right, go so, Red Sox." So we'll excuse it in that case. So. uh Shout out to Tanner Rudimesto's family. He's behind the ones and twos. Uh, he's the co that can't trail and co tonight. You are also the co four three seven nine six eighty. Make sure you keep texting the UPS jobs text line. Uh, reminder: We've got you covered tomorrow for some big basketball action. We've got Bellarmine basketball versus Central Arkansas at six fifteen tomorrow here on ESPN six eighty one zero five seven. That will. Follow the roundtable with Round Daddy. You can always hear him Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 here on these very airwaves, ESPN 680-1057. We've got you leading up to the V Show right after us as well from 12 to 3. So local programming every day here from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. So keep it locked on ESPN 680-1057. We've also got Louisville women's basketball coming up tomorrow night on the road in Atlanta against Georgia Tech. We had the Jeff Walsh Show on over on 93.9 last night. Uh, they were, I believe, actually at LNN Stadium with season ticket holders, so they weren't at the parlor in J-Town like they usually are. So I think it was a private show last night. Jeff Wall is always an interesting character, so uh, you know that that was a fun listen. But they've got a big game with Georgia Tech. they got to bounce back after the Virginia Tech game uh, last Sunday, so we'll see if they're able to do that. That starts at 5.30 Eastern over uh, – I shouldn't say Eastern. We're all Eastern time. Over on 93.9 The Ville. So we've got you covered for full basketball action uh, tomorrow, but I we've think, got. I go think ahead. Chrissy and uh, Biscuit are doing a uh, watch party. They too are doing at a watch Noble party. Funk Brewing. That's right. Uh, I don't know what time they'll be there, but I'll look that up real quick. I think it would be around five thirty, six o'clock, somewhere around there. Of course. Yeah, we got Biscuit here on Friday, by the way, so he'll be uh, sitting Ooh. in studio, I believe, with me Friday morning. We've got tomorrow. We've got Jay Davis and Ben Roberts here on the program. So we're we're full of guests this week. You know, you're getting a lot of me and Tanner, but we're also getting a lot of guests here uh, while Louie enjoys his vacation. Let's go ahead and talk cards Notre Dame. We got to do it. Oh, I think yeah. we got to do it. By the way, Bologna or Salami coming up at 11 o'clock. We are still doing that. We do that every week here on Rebell & Co. This week, Cantrell & Co. Cards Notre Dame. How much of a preview do we really want to do on this? I mean, this is two of the, the the bottom two teams in the ACC. Notre Dame's offense, bad. bad. Louisville's offense, pretty good. Yeah, but Louisville's, Louisville's defense, defense bad. bad. Notre Dame's defense, pretty good. So, so Notre Dame <laughs> has not won a road game in over a month, and they haven't been within double digits on the road since their last road win, and that, I believe, was on the road at Georgia Tech. Oof. Notre Dame's 4-10 and ten overall in the ACC, 9-16 and 16 overall. They're 1-7 and seven on the road. Louisville's three and twelve in the ACC, eight and eighteen overall. Real heavyweight fight we've got going on here. Yeah, it's the battle of the nepotism babies too. <laughs> Nick Valvano will be very pumped for it as Shrewsbury's <laughs> son versus Zan Payne. I heard, I think Chase told me Shrewsbury's son. I don't know who, what his exact name is. I think he said he's like the best three point shooter on Notre Dame. I wish we can have that with Zane, but hey, <laughs> right? Can't get what we all. Micah Shrewsbury, of course, from the area too. How about that? So really, yeah, I never knew that. Yep. 
So there's going to be a lot of discourse no matter what happens tonight around Michael Shrewsbury, but I will give Michael Shrewsbury credit. Notre Dame seems to know what their identity is. They just don't have the guys to execute it. Yeah. And we saw earlier in the year they played with, I think, just five guys, maybe six guys the entire game, but he stayed with the same five in the second half in one of their losses, and he said these are the only guys I can count on. Showed a lot of uh, fiery passion after that game and you know, said if you're not living up to our standard, you're going to be on the bench. Him and Damian Stoudemire have had two of the best press conferences. I think it was towards December that yeah. he was calling or just angry at the mic and it was awesome to watch. I can't wait though. It's going to be fun tonight. It'll be something. So Louisville's won their last two at home. So and we're favored. They are favored. Notre Dame, Louisville is favored. <laughs> Sound the alarms. <laughs> Vegas has us winning a game. Hey, how about that? Weren't they favored against uh, Georgia yeah, well, Tech? Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. They yeah. beat Georgia Tech. Yeah, we, we they, so they, they won. All so, right, yeah. So, hey, Vegas might know us something. Yeah. So, Louisville's only expected to have seven or eight scholarship players available. We have no idea if, you know, the guards are going to be able to play. I don't, Tyler I don't Johnson. Think, I don't think Sky Clark. Sky Clark, I don't believe, won't playing. be playing. Tyler, Tyler Johnson, Johnson, I don't know. On the fence right now. Yeah. Yeah, he had a concussion like symptoms on Saturday. Yeah, he gets, so, <laughs> punched against BC. That's right. <laughs> so, they'll about have about seven or eight scholarship players available, one of which has played a grand total of 12 minutes this month. Notre Dame has a full roster. I think this is basically a game of Brandon Hundley Hatfield's got to be great for Louisville to win this game. And if they have Tyler Johnson, then Tyler Johnson is going to have to have his imprints all over this game in order for Louisville to win. But Mark brought up an interesting point yesterday, and he said that that this game tonight should be the last game Kenny Payne coaches. And it makes sense because they would have a week in between games, and you'd be able to enjoy, or not enjoy, but you'd be able to cheer on the team in the last five games, six games, including the Day of Shame probably in the ACC tournament, without worrying about is this going to keep Kenny Payne around? You know, Jerry Eves said something earlier, and I don't know who listens to Jerry Eves, but he said something about if Louisville wins four of their last five games, that they'll keep Kenny Payne, which of course is a ridiculous comment because they're not winning four this, of their last This five. is how delusional it's gotten to us, yeah. Louisville fans. Mm-hmm. We're asking AI to Allen Iverson? No, yes, I wish. <laughs> Could we have a, an Allen Iverson on this team, like a six foot guard that you know just blows by everybody and can shoot? We need somebody with that kind of passion, that kind of energy. That's the thing, though. Sky Clark, the like, I'm not saying his his talent looks like it, but like looks like copy and paste, like early 2000s, like guard. Like you could see him in the background of the photo of uh, Allen Iverson stepping over. Um, yeah. Oh Tyron Lue. Yes, Tyron Lue, yes. Oh, like, yeah. He looks like he'd be perfect in that time. Yeah. Oh, I would take that. Oh, by the way, just a personal text. Jason Entz will be joining me tomorrow in studio. So we'll have him. We'll have Ben Roberts. We'll have Jay Davis. So we got a, a lineup full show. of people. Pack yeah, show. we got a packed show tomorrow. We got Biscuit on Friday, so we're going to be loaded. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned, Notre Dame's load, lone road win is at Georgia Tech. Those three are battling for last place in the ACC. And then uh, they haven't kept it within single digits in an away game since January 15th. So who's that against? I'll have to go back and check. I didn't. I don't have Notre Dame's schedule. You know, <laughs> I, I don't. I, I don't, bl- I don't blame you. Don't. don't I'm not. Boston angry. College. Boston right, College. Yeah. They lost sixty three fifty nine. So since that time, they've lost sixty five fifty three on the road at Virginia. They've lost seventy to sixty on the road at Pitt. They've lost seventy one fifty three on the road at Duke. So they played some bubble teams to a really good team in Duke on the road. So yeah. can't put a whole lot of stock into that. 
Are you just, confident in Duke at all going to the tournament this year? This is like no. the weakest Duke Depends team. Depends on still top twenty-five. Do I think Duke can make the Sweet Sixteen? Yes. Do I think Duke can win the national title? No. no. Kyle Filipowski's been a little bit of a disappointment yeah. this year. Their guard play is okay. It's nothing spectacular. Like this is a it's a Duke team that by a lot of program standards this will be a really good team. For Duke standards, it's average. Yeah. I just the only team in the ACC that I can really see doing much damage in the NCAA tournament's North Carolina. And I'm even wavering on them because they've lost on the road against Syracuse. They lost at home against Clemson, which it was the first time that they've lost in Chapel Hill against Clemson in a non-COVID season. First time they ever lost at home against Clemson with fans actually in the stands. <laughs> there, may, there may have been some family in the stands back in those years. Yeah. In the South, they probably had more fans than uh, in the Northern cities, but we digress. Yeah, I'm but not, yeah, tonight. Not confident. I would in, like to a, see a, any ACC no. teams winning anything right now. No, I'm not either. I think four teams from the ACC make the tournament, maybe five. And I know people are trying to defend the ACC, and based on their record in the tournament the last ten years or so, which is a legitimate argument. And there have been some ACC teams that were undervalued. Miami last year that made a run to the Final Four. I just don't really see it Man, with this what version happened of the ACC. Them? Yeah, they fell off the face of the earth after they lost to Louisville. <laughs> you know, we were talking about uh, when. Miami came to Kentucky earlier in the year. I think Miami was top 15. They might yeah, have been top no, 10. no, I remember that. And, and Kentucky then smacked them. Smacked them up and down the court. And yeah. Miami really hasn't been the same since. We kind of thought they would be an ACC title contender, and that hasn't happened. So I, I think this is probably the best chance for Louisville to get a win. I think they can beat Syracuse. I think they could beat potentially Virginia Tech at home. Even Boston College is kind of a winnable game. The only game that I just I don't care who the coach is, they're not winning, is at Duke. They're not winning at Duke next week, but oh, every other game is former Nolan's former Duke Blue Devil Nolan Smith. No, the former Duke <laughs> Nolan Smith, the yeah. interim coach at the time, or maybe hopefully. they should do that. I want to see Nolan Smith be the interim coach going up against John Shire. There's your storyline right there for an otherwise nondescript Louisville Duke game on a Wednesday night. Give me Nolan Smith and John Shire. How about that? That's another it. reason why I would be totally fine with them firing Kenny Payne after this. I just want them to be able to celebrate the players the last five games just to give everybody that weight off their shoulders so that you can just watch basketball like i mentioned i'm an ohio state fan we beat purdue on sunday i was able to watch that game without a big weight on my shoulders without worrying about oh is this win gonna save chris holtman like it's just our five versus their five it's just a basketball game yeah. and i think louisville fans would like to enjoy that over the last five or six games because they've been through a lot these last couple years so i think mark brings up a pretty good point as far as i don't think this would be the worst spot to go ahead and uh, get rid of KP after this game. It'd be something if they won tonight and still got rid of KP, wouldn't it? That would be incredible content for us. And by the way... Like, I would I would laugh so hard. <laughs> by the way, it's just selfishly because I'm hosting the show the next two days, please fire KP tonight so I have uh, all the content in the world tomorrow. Oh, yes. Wouldn't that just be perfect for everybody? And Louisville wins 170. There are 170 and then it's like gets on the gets on the podium. Yeah, Josh Hurd. Can he come here? Yeah. Do, do, can we do the, like the Herm Edwards Arizona State <laughs> thing or the Lane Kiffin at the tarmac? Eh, but they're at home, so I guess we can't do it on the tarmac. <laughs> Texter Jerry Eve said last year on his show, if Kenny Payne did not go 500 this year, he should not get a year three. Yeah, it's funny how people say things like that, and then it doesn't happen, and then they, they reverse course without any real reason. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, Texter, first take is talking college sports. What world is this? They're not talking about the Cowboys? What? First take, not talking about the Dallas Cowboys or LeBron James? They're talking about college football? They're, they were they're being smart. Wow. Wow. What's going on? 
Uh, Texter Russ would eat Reeves' lunch. Russ played tenacious defense. His size and recklessness killed him for the next level. No comparison between him and Antonio Reeves. I think the better comparison for Russ Smith on current Kentucky players is Rob Dillingham, just based on their style of play. Rob Dillingham is going to be a top 10 to 15 pick in this draft because I think he's as good of an ISO player as anybody in college basketball. Texter Reeves doesn't play defense. Nobody plays defense in the NBA. Yeah, that's not a terrible point. Nobody plays defense. You just watch the All-Star game. Uh, Texter, no one can hit the road with KP. Hasn't brought anything to the table. I don't disagree with that. Nolan Smith, Danny Manning, the, the assistants have been as disappointing as the head coach has been. Uh, Texter never got my pick. Someone's screening these calls. He wants a picture of Louis Repo uh, with the cigar. Uh, take that up with Louis. Uh, text or uh, tweet him at Louis Repo. Maybe he'll, it, it's on his Twitter page. Uh, he's enjoying himself. Uh, Texter, let's see here. Oh, he just said, laughed at J- Jerry E. Said if KP wins four of the last five games, he should get another year. We'll get another year. Yeah. Can we just... I just want this whole discourse to be over. I just want to talk about basketball. I don't want to talk about coaching searches. It's not fun for us. It's not fun that we're doing coaching search talk. What, in November? Is that when we started doing coaching search talk? Was it after the DePaul game? Was it after Arkansas State? It was somewhere uh, around the there. The DePaul game, yeah. Maybe maybe earlier when... And DePaul's coach got it. fired. Yeah. He won the game and went 3-22 and and got fired. Oh, man. I think... I think it was the DePaul or the Chattanooga game, but yeah, it, little, it was Chattanooga. I think after the second game, I had a fun fact that I, I just recently watched um, this magic moment, the uh, thirty for thirty about the nineties. Oh, uh, Orlando. Orlando magic, yeah. And I could not, but I could not not bring this up. It was just I was watching it, and they were t- talking about the outcome of like after Shaq left. Um, Danny Manning. With Pat Garrity and a first round or in two first round picks that ended up being Jason Collins and Amari Stoudemire, got traded to the Magic for Penny Hardaway. Wow, I never knew about that. Amari Stoudemire and the Penny Hardaway trade—that's something, right? Penny Hardaway was a beast if he could have stayed healthy, man. Man, Amari Stoudemire is an underrated all-time player too. Uh, yeah. So there's your cards talk for you. Uh, <laughs> Bologna or salami? We do it next. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash careanywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling.